the things I, I, I get to do, I get to go around and travel, visit lots of churches and interact with lots of people, leaders and otherwise. And one of the things that uh, maybe just being older, uh, maybe getting to be more places, just was bringing to my mind was just the wrestle and the struggle that so many people can face in their lives and their faith where we have things in our life that we we wrestle with we wrestle with we wrestle with and they just they just seem to be strongholds and they don't change and things that um, seemingly that that the power of God would want to change and bring out of our life and we want to be gone in our life but we just keep going around and around the same thing and uh, also points where uh, people would lose their faith and a lot of times they'd come to a point where all of a sudden they'd realize see my faith isn't working I, I can't I can't make this thing change in my life and they would walk away from their faith and for a lot of us here, especially the older you are, the more it would be true. I can think of so many people that seemingly at one point in their life had a real deep, strong faith, and yet now they're not following the Lord. And, and so I wanted to try to address what I felt like could be helpful in those scenarios. And so the series was called How to Be Discipled by God. And, uh, and I won't go into all the background of that, but, but uh, what I want to share today is I just want to share the first part of that series. Something that kind of surprised me as I thought things through, but I realized that something that many of us take as a given, just simply a belief in God, isn't necessarily something we should take as a given at all. And Jesus seemed to think that, and life experience seems to think that. So what I want to do today is, it's even going to be a little bit interactive. And if I talk fast enough, I'll even have a verse about Proverbs at the end. <laughs> um, but uh, I want to have a little bit of it be uh, just us sharing some thoughts here. So it's going to be a little interactive and I'm going to pray and then what we're going to do to start this is I want you to do begin with a little bit of a self-examination. And I want you to just in your own heart, in your own mind, I want you to think really through where Jeremy brought us in our worship. I want you to think through where your own faith in Jesus Christ is. What does that mean to you? How deep does that go? How real is he? Where is your love for him as a real person in reality that one day you will see? Where is your faith in him? And uh, to uh, help us with that, uh, I'm going to show just the last half of a worship video that's uh, a man bringing us into that connection with Jesus and just use that as a meditative about two minutes. Uh, and then I'm going to begin walking us through some things that Jesus says about faith and, and the Bible says about faith in God. So let me pray. And uh, when I get done praying, there'll just be a couple minutes here where I just want you to just sit and use this as a tool to think about where you're at with God. Well, Lord Jesus, I pray you would help us grow in our genuine faith in you. One day that faith is all that will matter. What do we think about you? And I pray, God, you'd help us this morning to take steps to a faith that's more and more real. 
In your name, amen. What do you find? What do you find in the depths of your soul? What's down there in the bottom in terms of a faith in Jesus? And This has become particularly challenging to me in a number of places. I, I uh, watched a video about Richard Wormbrand and uh, you guys might have heard of him. He was a Lutheran pastor in Romania in the 50s. And the communists took over Romania and they, they gradually put more and more pressure on the church, trying to destroy the church. And, and Christians faced really challenging times. And Richard Brimbrand was one of those guys that went to prison. He led the underground church for a while, eventually was caught, put in prison. He and his wife both. I think he spent 17 years there. His wife spent, I think, five years in prison. Very challenging circumstances. It's quite the video. If you ever want to watch something that you don't want to watch late at night, uh, that would, I could, there's good things there. Um, but one of the quotes that was in that video, it just, it just hit me like God taking a board and slapping me over the head. Um, and it was this quote. He said this. He said, um, it's actually him quoting an early Christian martyr. And the early Christian martyr that, that apparently Richard Rembrandt was reading about uh, had this quote. He said, he said, there were two kinds of Christians. Those who sincerely believe in God and those who just as sincerely believe that they believe. And something about that grabbed me. Because I think I can sense both of those in me. I can sense religious patterns that fit uh, an outward uh, religious thing about God. I can sense uh, um, uh, structure and organization and habits that look very much like there's faith in them, but I also sense that I'm not sure there is. But there is also something in me that I can go down and I can find it and I go, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe I will see him one day. I believe that. And those two are subtly different things. And what Richard Wormbrand discovered and what uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer discovered in Germany in the 30s and, and, and uh, what uh, Watchman Nee watched in China in the 50s is that when there is a great deal of hardship and challenge, all of us discover that faith is a much rarer thing than we realized. And, and in those moments, the desire of my heart is to be a person that finds that faith inside and to be a person that has helped as many other people as possible discover that faith on the inside when it needs to be there. And it's interesting how easy this is uh, to miss. Um, Jesus lived in a very religious time. As a matter of fact, I think we could make the case that the Pharisees that Jesus lived around had every reason to be convinced they had more faith in God than anybody that had ever lived and ever would live. And there'd be a lot of outward reasons to affirm that. 
every aspect of their life was wrapped around some connection with God. They were amazing expressions of following Jehovah God. And yet, those people who would have been utterly certain that they believed, Jesus looked right at them and said, you do not believe in God. Of course, we know that's true. God was standing right in front of them. And they did not believe. Look at Jesus' words here. Um, How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the one only God. So he was speaking to the Pharisees here and he's, they're, they're uh, uh, telling him all about their belief in God and how he's not from God and all that stuff. And Jesus is in an exchange with them and he says, listen, you guys don't believe. How can you believe? You don't believe. How does he know that? How does Jesus say that? He says that, listen, listen. You're receiving glory from one another, right? You honor one another. You praise one another. And that demonstrates that you want honor. You want glory. You want praise. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're all created to want praise. We're all created to need affirmation. God created you to need something outside yourself to affirm who you are. That's so much of all of our lives. Our identity is such a huge issue. And we need that affirmation from outside. And these Pharisees were so good at getting it from one another. But then Jesus said, but you're not trying to get it from God. You want it. And you're seeking it from one another. And you're not seeking it from God. So listen, you do not believe God's there. Because if you believed that there was a God who loved you and who would affirm you and who would praise you and who would reward you, you would be totally locked on. I want it right there. I want it right there. And you're all about getting it from one another. So you don't believe. Very reasonable. Very sensible. Very obvious. And very convicting. And you know, we look through church history, and there's a lot of times where people were really convinced they believed. But they didn't. The church in the 13th, 14th, 15th century was this astonishing organization covering, you know, all of Europe, uh, incredibly uh, powerful in communicating spiritual truth, and yet the leaders of that were immersed in immorality and greed and evil. And if you had told them, you don't believe, they would never have believed. Oh, no, no, we believe. We are the church. And yet, all of their actions denied it. They did not believe. Or we could even get a little closer. What about the average born-again evangelical in American culture today whose statistics in divorce, drug abuse, pornography usage, all of those social things are almost exactly the same as the general population. Oh, wait a minute, though. Oh, we go to church. (laughs) I mean, come on now. We're different. We believe. And 
I know it's not true with any of us, and none of the other churches that I know of. It's not true with anybody I know. But out there generally in the Christian world, how can that be? Do we believe? Ooh. And it's a question actually that can rivet me to my core and make me very uncomfortable. And um, how do we know we believe? And I know you're helping me out, Nick, because I'm not being faithful with my clicker. <laughs> um, but this is where he went in his statement, uh, Richard Wimbrand. He said there were two kinds of Christians, those who believe in God and just as sincerely believe that they believe. You can tell them apart by their actions in decisive moments. And there are points in time where our faith is called out of us and, and there, is a, there is a course of action if I believe and there's a course of action if I don't and I'm standing at this crossroads and all of a sudden I am going to discover, I'm going to discover what I believe. And um, I want to look at some people in the Bible who wrestled with that. But I also want to talk about people today. You've probably heard in the news there are a number of Christians that have recently denied their faith. And as you may know, you just watched one. Marty Sampson with Hillsong Music. One of the writers and singers. And um, I have nothing against Marty Sampson, and I don't want to be critical of him. I am guessing if I knew Marty, he is an amazing guy, probably a man with a lot of integrity. But Marty would say he no longer believes. And, and I want to just share with you what Marty wrote on his Instagram post expressing where his thoughts are. Marty said this, it's time for some real talk. I'm genuinely losing my faith, and it doesn't bother me. Like, what bothers me now is nothing. I'm so happy now, so at peace with the world. It's crazy. This is a soapbox moment, so here I go. How many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. How can God be love and yet send four billion people to a place all because they don't believe? No one talks about it. Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people. But it's not for me. Now, I'm not in anymore. I want genuine truth, not the I just believe it kind of truth. Science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. Lots of things help people change their lives, not just one version of God. Got so much more to say. But for me, I keeping it real. Unfollow if you want. I've never been about living my life for others. All I know is what's true for me right now. And Christianity just seems to to me like another religion at this point. Now, when you hear someone who's been profoundly influential in the Christian world write that, say that, how does that make you feel on the inside? Are there things in you that go, wow, yeah, 
I have those questions. <laughs> I wonder that stuff. Hey, I got a bunch of questions. Do you f find that it makes you feel insecure because you're not sure about your own foundation? You know, in one sense, that's not a bad thing. As long as you're willing to engage and address it. None of those things are threatening to my faith. Because I have addressed all those things. And they have come to the point in my own world where they are very strengthening for my faith. Whether it's science or the hard questions that he wrestled with, problems in the Bible, give me a break. I have been through those things. And those questions came into my life. They rattled my faith. I pursued the answers. And I am more convinced than ever of the reality of my faith. But my fear is there are many, many people sitting in a place where their faith is not sure, their faith is not secure. And they are not addressing those things. And challenge is going to roll into their world and they are going to discover they do not believe. And you will have wasted scores of Sunday mornings sitting in church. Do you believe? Or do you just sincerely believe that you believe? And I want to talk about what belief looks like. And Abraham, of course, is given to us as our example of belief. And we're told by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So why is Abraham this great example? Because he made such a great sacrifice? Not That's missing the point, really. But the great sacrifice reveals it. So Abraham was told by God many years earlier, you will have a son. His name will be Isaac. And through him, all your offspring will, be, will, be, will come. And, and it says that Abraham believed God. And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. It was credited to him as righteousness. And so Abraham received a promise from God. And Abraham had walked a long time with God. And Abraham had failed a bunch of times. And Abraham had, had really had a, had, had a life of God working in his world. And, Abraham, and God spoke to Abraham and says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. And all your offspring are going to come through him. And something was real in Abraham's life. And Abraham said, I believe. And God saw it. And God said, Abraham, you do believe. And I credit it to you as righteousness. But did Abraham knew he believed? He went on to fail more. He went on to make other mistakes. And yet, God said, when you credit, when you use your credit card, 
you know, you can go buy something, but you haven't paid for it yet. It's credited to you, but you haven't paid for it yet. But the bill will come, and you'll pay for it. You'll make it real. You'll make it good. And God credited to Abraham. He says, Abraham, you got this faith, so I'm going to extend you righteousness. And I'm going to bring a moment, Abraham. I'm going to bring a moment into your life where it will be displayed to you because you may wonder yourself and to all the world that you believe what I told you. And so Isaac gets to be around 12 or 13 years old and God speaks to him and says, Abraham, I want you to go and kill your son as an offering to me. What went through Abraham's mind? I don't know for sure, but you know what? At some point, there was a real simple clarity. I don't know whether Abraham freaked out. I don't know if it was incredibly hard. It may not have been because Abraham looked right back in the face of God and said, God, my offspring are coming through this child. You said it. And if I kill him, you have to raise him from the dead because you told me my offspring is coming through this child. I can take his life. It won't make a whit of difference because you gave me a promise. My children are coming through him. I can take his life. And you have got to figure out how to make your promise true. He believed. He believed the word of God. What has God said to you that he looks at you and says, you believe? Do you really believe you will see Jesus Christ one day? Do you believe he is the person waiting at the end? Do you believe that everything you've ever done is going to be responded to by him? That every word, every thought, every action, he is going to address that in the grace of the cross, but you will be addressed by God. Do you believe it? That's what it says. And here's what life is about. Life is about walking us down a road, deepening our faith, strengthening our faith. So that when that moment comes, we discover when we go to the bottom, we discover we believe. And that's why God wants you here and that's why he wants you obeying him every day. He wants you growing and deepening so that when that moment comes... That decisive moment, do you believe or you just sincerely believe that you believe? Do you, do you just go to church and hang out on everybody else's faith? Or is there something in you that says, this is mine. I believe this. Now, if you have any sense about what this is, there should be part of you that feels a little insecure there. Because all of us do not have as strong a faith as we need and want. But God's goal is to meet you and walk with you and teach you and bring you to that faith in a God you have never seen where when that moment comes, you are sure.
Did I believe in God? Now the test had come. I was alone. There was no salary to earn, no golden opinions to consider. God offered me only suffering. Would I continue to love him? I like this quote from D.L. Moody because this is a more positive perspective on all that. But it, it, it gives us a sense of where we're really supposed to be. A rule I've had for years is this, to treat the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal friend. He's not a creed, a mere doctrine, but it is he himself we have. And so what I really have is that Jesus walks with me today. Jesus walks with me today. And, and it's a real thing. Jesus sees me, do I see him? I'm real to him. Is he real to me? And, and, and here's a very, in some ways, convicting, scary verse. It says in the Bible that faith comes by hearing. We know that in the United States, faith is being washed away. We are living in the time where we will watch our country pass from a Christian nation to a non-Christian nation. It's going to happen right before our eyes. We're watching the transformation right in front of us. One of the reasons that happening is happening is that verse. Faith comes by hearing. What do you hear all day long, every day, through the news, through your media, through Facebook, through whatever. What is rolling through your mind all the time? A view that God is not a significant part of your reality. God is not there. God does not matter. God is not significant. And that faith in your life, in the insignificance of God, is coming because that's what every voice speaks to us and we absorb it because God has designed it to be so. So if you want a faith in God, you have to have spent time in his word. You have to limit other voices. You have to be careful with entertainment. Whether you think it's, quote, sin or not, it is a voice speaking to you about the place and the relevance of God in reality. What do you want when you stand before Jesus Christ on that day? Do you want to be like, whoa, 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 I just wasn't even thinking about this? Or will it be, okay, it's happened, I'm here. I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this moment. We need to help one another be people who are waiting and not much help comes to us in that. So do I believe in God? It's easy to be deceived regarding a true in the moment belief in God. I'm just, I'm just, I'm self-deceived. I need to examine my life honestly, evaluate the state of my belief, take steps to strengthen that belief. You know, if our life is going to change, which is where all this started in my series, we have to go, okay, I'm really locked into the reality of God. So how often am I really believing in God? And here's a question I wanted to see if we could answer. To attempt an explanation of the difference between sincerely believing in God and just as sincerely believing that you believe. 
Like for me, when I heard that, I went, oh, I got it. I think I got it. I, I really recognize the reality of those two things. Does that strike you? You go, I, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I, 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 I sense those two differences. So I'm going to just give you a second to see if you could find a way to put that into words. The difference between believing God and, and then just sincerely believing that you believe. Have you got a thought on how you'd express that? How we would express that? with people that deny their faith like famous people like Josh Harris or Marty Sampson were they believing that they believe maybe they ran into questions they couldn't answer there was some decisive moment where they, they should have resolved it they should have resolved it but either they didn't or they couldn't and they lost their faith but there was a time quasi time apparently where they they were walking in this stuff but they didn't believe it anymore How do you know you believe as opposed to just believing that you believe? Maybe you look inside there and go, okay, I know what it means to believe. What does it mean to believe? Can anybody here say that they believe? Anybody look down inside and go, you know what? I believe Jesus Christ runs the universe. I believe it. I don't just believe the gospel. The gospel is just a message. You should never believe in the gospel. You should believe the gospel, but don't believe in it. Don't believe in the Bible. Believe the Bible. Because the guy who wrote it and spoke it is trustworthy. Believe in him, but don't believe in the Bible. We believe in God. And that's sort of a tough question. Here I'm giving this convicting sermon, and then I stop and I expect you to say something. And that is really hard. I get that. I totally get that. Yeah. Am I totally trusting in God to the point that no matter what happens, we're still trusting? Rob, you had an opportunity to walk in that, haven't you? And how do you know your faith's real? For me, it's just that, you know, I know that that what Whatever has happened, whatever will happen to me, that I can still trust in Him and know that, you know, like, like what Job says, though He slay me, I still trust in Him. I think, for me, if I can say that, then I think I do have a true belief, true trust in God, and not just a belief in God. That's good. Yeah, any other words or thoughts? I 
the verse that said, for Timmy to live as Christ and to die as Okay. To me, it's kind of like wanting the desire to live for Christ, but to know that I can give it all to Him. And both of you guys, in essentially, kind of referenced eternity. That there's something bigger than this life that, that is my hope is in. And it does seem like it's got to go past this world because there's just times this world doesn't make sense. That I'm willing to take it past my earthly hopes. Any other thoughts? Good. That's good. Yeah, other thoughts? Yeah. 
summarize these. So Gretchen actually got them both, I think, but but that's a great communication on one of those two that's very significant. There is things that give us a confidence in our faith that it's real. And, and one is outward stuff. The Jews still exist. My wife and I were just talking about that. Gee, all the hardship they've been through, incredible hardship, and they're still together as a people group. It's like God says he's going to be working with them. It's like, uh, how could that be? It's historically impossible. I can look at all kinds of things in science. I don't have the slightest shred of a doubt that life's been intelligently designed. I just don't have the slightest shred of a doubt. It's just so obvious to me. So there's outward things. But it says what? Also, what do we say? We say, I have a personal relationship with God. Oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a born-again Christian. I have a personal relationship with God. To be honest, most of us don't have that much of a personal relationship with God. But we can stop and listen. 
He speaks to us. There is a reality there we experience, and that reality strengthens our faith. Things on the outside strengthen our faith. God working in us, speaking in us, to us, where we go, God spoke to me. That was real. That was real. There was a real personal exchange through the Holy Spirit. That strengthens our faith. Okay. I am going to share my Proverbs verse, says, and we're going to close. These verses are also very convicting verses to me. Um, And here's their application. The two people talked about in these Proverbs verses, I think, are the two people described by Richard Wormbrand, and this was going to be more discussion, but we won't get to it. In his quote, people who believe and people who sincerely believe that they believe. And, and things do not turn out well. Understand this. Jesus is walking you down a road. He's standing right beside you. He's wanting to walk you to the place where when that moment comes, you know that faith is real. He wants to give it to you personally. He wants to give it to you personally. But you have to follow him. It takes... A lot of steps, I think, with God to have that faith. And so I'm just going to read these verses, and then I'll pray and close, because I think you guys are supposed to be done at noon. These are out of Proverbs 1. I don't know when, these don't cover any particular topics, so they got to get shared here. It's about wisdom, Proverbs 1.20 to the end. And I think this is a reality in the Bible that doesn't get shared very often. Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge. If you'd responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called, and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh at your disaster. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm. When disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind. When distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. 
But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Lord Jesus, we live in a time of the wayward. We live in a time of the complacent. Lord, we are awash in voices telling us nothing is really that big a deal. Nothing really matters. It'll all be fine. It'll all work out. And you speak to us and you say, no, it is not so. You must walk with me. You must walk with me. And if you walk with me, you will be safe. But if you listen to all those foolish, wayward, complacent voices around you, the time will come where you will not have what you need. Lord, I pray we'd be people that make choices to draw near to you, to put our flesh to death, to let you lead, to obey you, to follow you, to let you have your way. Lord, build in us that faith that makes you more and more real. We don't want to just be church people. We want to have our own faith. Pray you'd help us in Jesus' name. Amen.